Sam has a few different texts to look at this morning for the sermon, but we're going to start this morning in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. That's what I'm going to read here. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy. With, cheer, with cheerfulness. Uh, Father, as we look to your word this morning, I pray that your spirit would work in each individual's heart exactly as you've appointed this word to uh, work in their life. Father, I pray that you would uh, bring about fruit this morning that would glorify your name, that you'd bring about worship and joy in our hearts. And Father, I just ask that uh, you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I was trying to prepare the next sermon in Luke, knowing that I also uh, was going to prepare a pastoral update for the uh, annual meeting. And what I found as I was working on my sermon in Luke, I kept having insights into what I wanted to say uh, during the pastoral update uh, in our meeting, and I just finally decided I'm just going to preach my pastoral update, and because I was having trouble figuring out how I was going to say it all in ten minutes, yeah, anyway. And I think uh, by God's grace, uh, this is uh, what He has for us this morning. And I pray that uh, God would use it uh, in your own life. So the way the message is going to go today is the introduction is going to be uh, essentially looking at where we're at as a church body and, and where we've come from. And uh, then after we've done that, we're going to dive into God's word as to what... Uh, he has to say to us as members of the body of Christ. And so to begin with, I want to think about how God uses the circumstances of our life to challenge us spiritually. Uh, you've probably heard me give the illustration 
before about uh, the professor who grabbed a bottle of water, uh, a biblical counseling professor, and shook it and got water all over the front of the classroom. Then he asked uh, the students, he says, now why did water get everywhere? And they said, well, because you shook the water bottle. And he says, really, is that your final answer? And they said, yes. And so he took the water bottle, he dumped all the water out of it, and then he shook it. And he says, you said it was because of the shaking, but how much water is flying around the room now? And the point was made that one of the main reasons water got everywhere is because water was in the bottle. And uh, he was making the point that the circumstances of life are like shaking. And what's ever in our hearts gets shaken out. It becomes visible when difficult circumstances come. So that when things are going good, you really don't know the status of your heart. But when things are tough, when the umpire calls someone out who is clearly safe, you'll learn really quickly what's in the heart of the base runner. They would, now they might say, well, that was unfair. That was, and that's why this profanity came out of my mouth. Well, the circumstance shook the baseball player's heart and then the ugliness came out. So circumstances are never the main cause of something. We often blame them, uh, but they do reveal. And it's the same, just like it is for an individual, as it is for a church, I believe. This last two years has revealed some of our strengths and some of our weaknesses as a church body. The last two years, the culture has shaped, shaken us. Uh, circumstances have become unique. Stuff they didn't train us for in seminary happened. Uh, we, as leadership at least, had to think about and, and read and talk to people and try to navigate what does faithfulness look like uh, uh, these last uh, couple years. But it's good for us. Even if our circumstances may be convicting in what it reveals or may be difficult because change is never easy, it uh, often takes courage to pivot or to change from the, the normal. It's good. It takes wisdom. It takes faith. It takes courage. All things God gives his people. So in many ways, I think we stand at a pivotal, pivotal time uh, at sovereign grace. In one sense, a time of change. Circumstances have changed in uh, several areas that we'll talk about in a moment. It's important to point out that our philosophy of ministry hasn't necessarily changed. Uh, 
since the goal of our philosophies and ministries are to be rooted in the Scripture. We believe that God doesn't just care about the ends, but He also cares about the means. How does a person get to the end? And, and so it's not a change in our uh, belief as a church. Our ideals haven't changed, but our circumstances are changing and in some sense, changing rapidly. Uh, so this inevitably has brought a time of shaking and testing, a need for evaluation. And I want to share with you this morning some of the strengths I see, the things to be thankful for at Sovereign Grace, and then some of our weaknesses. Uh, so let's just think of some of the circumstances. First, 20 and, uh, 2020 to 2021 brought unique challenges that brought cultural change uh, with COVID-19, with the last election. Uh, at least I experienced those last two years as something uh, uh, new within my lifetime. Uh, the, the rapid in it, in a sense, instability that came upon uh, our culture. And so we had to figure out how do we lead a congregation through COVID in light of Romans 12 and 1 Peter 2 and 3. Race issues flared up as the last presidential election took place. Uh, Black Lives Matters uh, became an ideology and, and a movement that was not uh, on most of our radars. Things like CRT and intersectionality and terms like this uh, became a commonplace. Every, every Christian in church was put in a position to respond to it in one way or another. How should we talk and respond to whatever racism exists in our hearts and in our community? Because we know it is important. God does hate the sin of racism or partiality. How do we respond to BML and ideologies like CRT and intersectionality? And how do they do harm to the gospel? These are circumstances that weren't easy that caused us, uh, hopefully, to go to the Word of God and figure out how to navigate our way forward. And through all of that, by God's grace, here we are, for the most part, united. And that is unlike many congregations right now in America. Many formally solid, seemingly united congregations split in half when the circumstances that I just described hit them. And by God's grace, we're here and we're united and we're moving forward. And I think we have to thank God for that. Another circumstance that came onto our radar was seeing the need 
and the usefulness of a new building. This required putting together a building committee. It required a lot of those people. It required a lot of the finance committee. It requires money. And through that circumstance, I don't look at the finances of the church. Uh, but what became clear as we were going through that is, is uh, the few that do look at the finances uh, reported back to the elders that this circumstance is actually kind of revealed in one sense uh, unhealthy giving habits of the congregation. Now our needs were being met uh, but a lot of those were coming from uh, uh, a lot of regular attenders weren't participating in the giving uh, to the church and others were being very generous. Now, us as elders don't, never saw names, never looked at names. It was just given generally to us that way. And what we know from the scripture is, is money is one of the circumstances that reveals the heart more than anything else. And so as elders, it was concerning because it is in a sense uh, uh, one of the most rubber meets the roads tests as to what you really value. Is what you say match up to where uh, you put your finances? And so that was a circumstance that revealed a place where we can grow. And obviously everyone's at a different point uh, in that in their own life, but by God's grace, that circumstance made us stronger. And what we saw uh, to the challenge to the congregation to look into your hearts was a bunch more new unit givers which is a testimony to the grace of God. Praise God for the challenge. Praise God for the opportunity uh, for faithfulness. Uh, and uh, another weakness it exposed, at least to me, is I could have been more faithful as a pastor and teaching the congregation, reminding the congregation uh, as to all God says about these things. And, and so the challenge, I think, was both to us as leadership and to the congregation. Uh, but with a new building comes new responsibilities, <laughs> new circumstantial challenges. It's big became pretty clear uh, to us pretty fast that life as usual will not be possible. Uh, renting a building uh, has a lot of benefits as far as it doesn't require near as much from a congregation uh, as taking care of a building uh, yourself. And so for the last 10 years, in a sense, we've been able to get by not uh, needing much help, in, in some sense, or as much help from the congregation as a whole. And with purchasing a building, by God's grace, we were able to do that with cash. Uh, responsibilities piled up that immediately came 
to the elders and they got some of those get transferred to the building committee or finance committee. But it's pressing on us saying there's going to have to be a pivot in how we function as a church. And uh, I don't think there's any sense in my mind that this is a mistake, but what it does do is it presses on us and uh, requires additional faithfulness, I think, uh, from every member of the body. One of the things we discovered is how we've uh, failed to help fan the flame of our deacon, deacons and deaconesses. Uh, when we started at Sovereign Grace, uh, we had, maybe this is a little naive, we thought, well, everything we studied, the office of elder and the office of deacon, uh, they're on the same level. They have different functions. It's not that the elders stand as this authority up here and the deacons down here. They're, the, they're two equal offices with different functions. And it was the de desire of the elders not to sit over them uh, in some sort of authoritative uh, position, but to fan the flame of the giftedness of uh, the deacons and the deaconesses. And, and so we went with like an organic model. Uh, who's already doing this? Who's gifted in this way? And turn them loose. And in one sense... Uh, there hasn't been a lot of examples out there in other congregations that that organic model uh, works real well. So we're, what we're looking at what we're, is how do we need to restructure and relook at the deacons and deaconesses in our congregation in light of this service ministries uh, that we have. And so that's one of the things facing us in the future is to uh, uh, come back, discuss what would it look like, maybe monthly meetings, what would it look like uh, to be more efficient in uh, the way we function. And that has nothing to say against, I, I'm saying that from the structure of the leadership, how we set them up. This, they've been servants in an incredible way, but the idea of needing to organize better and, and have communication better has been one of the things these circumstances has revealed to us. So there needs to be a pivot, I think, uh, in, in that area. And then there's the area of uh, the third circumstance that's changed uh, has to do with Scott. So when we hired Scott nine years ago, uh, I mean, he was a young man that we saw humility. We saw a fear. He had a fear of God before him. He had a love for the local church. And you know, all of the intangibles in a sense we were looking for uh, in an associate pastor uh, we saw in Scott. And what Scott immediately did, 
Those of you who know me very well, you're never going to say my strengths are ad- administrative strengths. And, and you all know we would be in trouble in one sense. God would take care of us. But if Scott got up and left, he's a big part of our administrative structure of the church body. But in, in that, those years we've had him, he's gone through seminary and he's uh, finished seminary and God has uh, revealed and that he has gifted him as a preacher. He has gifted him uh, as a teacher and, and really gifted him in all the ways that God uh, requires of an elder. And and the way I drew it up on a whiteboard, I don't have a whiteboard, but when we started, it's like if you, if you represented every one of the responsibilities, administrative responsibilities of Sovereign Grace, if they were represented in a bunch of circles, we hired Scott and he took those and he put them into his computer. He organized them. He put them in databases. Uh, uh, he wrote philosophies of ministry, why we do the things we do. And all these things were organized together. And in one sense, they're in a pretty neat package right now, like they weren't nine years ago. And when I laid out all the things we could do from an elder perspective, uh, things like uh, if, if we by God's grace, we have future growth. There's going to be more preaching opportunities. There's going to be more teaching opportunities in in classes. A big part, just the way it ended up, of our congregation uh, has children that are homeschooled. Our, Our church could provide Theology 1 for high school kids. Uh, Scott would be capable of teaching a class like that and ministering to our uh, flock or like uh, church history or something like that. Proactive eldering. Elders meeting with families before there's problems. Just how's it going? How's your soul? Outreach. How, how are we going to have an impact in the community? How are we going to have an impact in Aberdeen? Counseling, which there's always more than uh, can be uh, done. And there's a lot here that have been trained with the basics that we could help uh, meet some of those needs and minister to one another. So I think we're at the circumstance, and, and I'm asking you the question, where do we want to fan the flame of where Scott is today? We could ask him to keep doing just how he's been doing, but I would recommend we're at a point where these things have been organized by Scott. He knows how they run, and maybe people within the body are gifted in some of these areas and are able to take some of those, and we're able to fan the flame and in a, and in a sense pivot and say, we think 
we can uh, really grow in these areas of, of ministry, word ministry. And so that's a point of uh, pivot or transition that I would say we're at. What we can't do is just say, keep doing all this and then, and then go do all this more. But as we're going to see in a moment, I think God and I trust God has gifted this body in a way uh, to uh, move into the future with success, with the giftedness of the body. One more thing I want to point out, and that would be training up men in ministry. This is an area where it's from day one, this was important to us, but it's an area we haven't actually, uh, I, I would say, succeeded in making a priority. And when you train up men in ministry, you have... Uh, men who are leaders in the community in their jobs that could minister to those in their uh, workplaces. You have fathers that are pastors of their own homes that uh, their wife and their children, this influences. This would be the pool where you raise up elders from within the church body. And it's an area where I think we need to do better and we can do better. And uh, our circumstances are pressing us to look at the importance of them and, and grow in. This is where deacons and would also come from, Sunday school teachers. So those are some of the transitional circumstantial things that face us as a church that I think are good and healthy, but not easy. And so now the challenge. Now let's go to Scripture. And this is going to be the 40,000 foot flyover of spiritual gifting. What is the body of Christ? How has he gifted the body of Christ? And what is your life all about? So this sermon necessitates future insights. Uh, maybe when we're done with Luke uh, to dive more into this. So this might create more questions than it answers, but it's something I feel like uh, the Lord wants you to chew on. And, and us as a, as a elders. So if you look at your notes, the charge of this, min, this message is this. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. You might be surprised. You might say, what ministry? You're the minister. Well, I'm an elder that is called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I'm a fellow minister with you all. And God desires that the fruitfulness of the church comes from the body, the ministry of the body, not just 
merely the leadership of the church. The, the leadership is a gift or a tool given to the church so that you all can be faithful, hopefully along with us, in uh, what God's called us to. And so there's nine important truths about the body of Christ and spiritual gifts I kind of want to give you in rapid fire nature and, and show you a few texts. But this idea of fulfill your ministry uh, comes from texts like 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. When you got saved, God handed you something that you're going to give an account for, and Paul calls it, and Peter calls it, Spirit, a spiritual gift or gifts that you will either be found faithful or unfaithful with. And then he lists some of those gifts. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. So spiritual gifts are all about God. When you succeed in them, it's never for your glory because the gift was never your idea and it's not empowered by you. It's handed to you by God, but you have the ability to be unfaithful stewards with the gifts that God has given you. On Wednesday night, we've been going through Colossians and we finished it up this last Wednesday and at the end of it, Paul's letters, he often just has these practical uh, uh, statements that he uh, gives. And one of the things he said is, he talked about Epaphras. He said, uh, Epaphras, who is one of you, now he's like a superstar minister. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Do you, do you know that when you were saved, you're first and foremost a servant of Christ Jesus? That's how the scripture speaks of you. And then in verse 17 of chapter 4, he says, Say uh, to Arpicius, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received from the Lord. See that you fulfill it. That's the point of the sermon. Are you fulfilling? Ask the question. Are you fulfilling the ministry God has given you? And in 2 Timothy 4, Paul says this to young Timothy. This is at the end of Paul's life. He says, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure in suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then Paul says, like I did. 
because he says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who is loved is appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Because Demas, fulfill it like I did. I poured out my whole life for the church. But Demas, he's gone. When we read Colossians, Demas was saying hi. Demas greets you. You read 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4. Demas, in love with the present world, just kind of checked out. Just kind of disappeared from the body. No longer useful to the body of Christ. So that's when I'm saying fulfill your ministry. Those are the texts that I would point to for that. So the first important truth about the body of Christ and spiritual gifting. The body of Christ is made up of many different members, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So when Jesus died, he made something and he called it his body. He brought them all alive by his spirit and he gifted them. He's gifted this body. The reason why abortion is such a terrible thing and a sinful thing is because Every human being is made in the image of God. And when you go into the womb of a woman and take the the baby, as you, you take his life, you go into God's workshop. The most beautiful things are created there. People made in his image and you destroy it. Hopefully you know the the sinfulness of that there's grace for those who have done that but it's wrong at a core level but sometimes we forget about the body of christ and we forget that when we fail to use the gifts that god has given us the thing being hurt is this beautiful Creation, which is made up of many members. And this was in what uh, Scott just read. For by the grace that Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that He is assigned. He assigned it. Why would you brag about something that he's given you as a gift? 
For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, although many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, he says, and then he lists them. And so God has gifted you each individually to build up the the single body of Christ. Second, God gives each member according to his will. This is important to know. Hebrews 2.3 says this, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was testified to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. It's Hebrews 3.4. Every gift given to believers was chosen according to God's will. He could have made us all cookie cutters. He could have made us all average in everything. But He hasn't done that. Everyone's different. And it was His choice of how He was going to gift you. There is no one that lacks a gift. Number three in your notes. There's no one that lacks a gift or there's no one that's indispensable. This is 1 Corinthians 12. We don't have time to read it. But the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. Or you can't say, my spiritual gift is so small in comparison to his because Paul says the weaker ones, the weaker parts of the body, we show more modesty to. God gives more honor to the weaker part so that nobody can boast in their gift. So the lie that says, I don't fit here, there's no place for me. Now you might say the leadership hasn't let me in. Well, shame on us. But is that what you're going to say to Christ when you face Him one day? Or are you going to realize that God has given me a gift and if I don't use it within the body, the body is harmed because no one is indispensable. No one. Children, listen to me. Five-year-olds. Four-year-olds. If you're trusting Christ and you're serving Christ, God wants to use you and you're indispensable in this body of Christ. Children, you need to ask your parents, if you're trusting in Christ, how can I serve this body? There's no one that lacks a gift. Four, spiritual gifts are given to serve and build up the body. This is so important. They are never for self-promotion. Spiritual gifts are never about you. Spiritual gifts are never for your glory. doesn't make any sense. God chose to give them. God empowers them. It's all about Him getting glory. It's not about what do I like the most. 
It's not about you. It's about his glory and the building up of the body. Couple verses. 1 Corinthians 12.4. You can't get any clearer than this. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good of the body. That's the purpose. (laughs) Some gifts go everywhere, but a spiritual gift is for the building up of the body of Christ. That is its purpose. Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather speaking truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That was Ephesians 4.15 and 16. So this body grows up when the people fit together properly in the way God designed it. You don't have a good church by just hiring a good pastor or or hopefully getting leadership that fears God. You have a miraculous, incredible thing when you have every single person from grandparent to little child believing what they actually are. Number five, loving the body of Christ is the byproduct of being saved. Read 1 John. If you say you love God and you don't love the body, you're not saved. You're not saved. Because if you say you love Jesus, you're going to love his body. And what Jesus did is he created the church. And you'll never use your spiritual gift if you don't love the church. If you say God's number one in my life, but your job and you're out here in the secular world takes most of your thoughts and times. The question is, is do you love Christ? Because if you love Christ, you're going to love his body. And if you, you love his body, you're going to be there. You're going to be around them. It's going to be really hard on you if you start to pull back and check out. You can't have this great devotional life with Christ and be pulling yourself away from His body. We know this in several passages, maybe the clearest one, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about all these spiritual gifts. And at the end of that chapter, he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I'll show you still a more excellent way And then he goes into, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong. If you have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries, have all faith, but don't have love, you're nothing. Thinking about using a spiritual gift without loving the body is insane. Because your spiritual gift means nothing apart from love. And so it's the, it, it comes, your relation 
to the church body comes in one sense as a test to your love for God himself and for Christ. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Jesus died to take away your sins, but he also died that you'd quit living for yourselves. That's the point of your salvation. Spiritual gifts are not about what do I like. Let me take this spiritual gift test and see what I like the best and see where I fit in. It's not about you. It's not about our preferences and our plan for our life. And so one of the questions that surely will come up is, How do I identify how God has gifted me? How do do I identify it? Now this is a whole, this could be several sermons. We could talk about all the different spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about. Things like gifts of administration, uh, uh, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, knowledge, leadership. Mercy, prophecy, serving, tongues, teaching, wisdom. All these are in the scripture. A few of them are miraculous gifts that I believe have ceased. We could, that could be a whole sermon series. But the question is this, how would I identify what my gifting is? And the short answer is this. You need to know what the scripture says about them. You need to understand what they are first. Second, you got to get involved. You might need to try serving the church in different ways, and you, you might figure it out by saying, I don't think it's here. And you might be surprised to discover it's here, but the good news is, is if you love the body, you want to check in. You want to show up. You want to get involved in the body. Third, church affirmation. What's the point of the gift? The point of the gift is building up of the body. So it's much, makes a lot more sense rather than to say, what do I want to do? Makes a lot more sense to say, have the body of Christ say, what seems to be most helpful for the church body? How how do I seem to be uh, specially gifted to build up the body of Christ? And, And finally is fruitfulness. If the purpose of the gift is to build up the body, then we should expect fruitfulness that'll come from that gifting. And I'm not saying that's exhaustive, but what you'll notice from that is there's not a bunch of self desire questions in there. What does the scripture say? Get involved, press in in any way. Have other people help me see. And then fruitfulness. Eight, this is important. Identifying your spiritual gifting does not excuse you 
from all that God calls you to as believers in Christ. Sometimes spiritual gifting is used as, well, someone else is the gift of mercy, but I'm kind of, uh, I don't have that gift. So, no, God calls all of us to love one another. God calls all of us to speak the truth in love. God calls all of us to do all sorts of things, and your spiritual gifting never pulls you out of all that Christ calls all believers uh, to do. And, and that's a common mistake that can be made. It's not like you figure out your spiritual gift and you forget everything the Bible says about being a Christian. You know, Peter splits the gifts into speaking gifts and serving gifts to summarize them. And it's not that those who serve are never sharing the gospel. You need to share the gospel. And it's not that those who speak are never serving. Because <laughs> Christians are called to both those. But the question is, where am I going to fan the flame in the body? What's the most helpful thing? And number nine... One, before I do number nine, I want to say one more thing. Someone who's faithfully using their spiritual gift doesn't necessarily have an official title in the church. Like, I'm a greeter. Or, I'm a Sunday school teacher. A huge part of church life is the one anothering that takes place. Someone that has the gift of encouragement might never have a title that makes them feel important or something. A lot of gifts will have titles within a church, Sunday school teacher or deacon or elder or greeter, things like that. But many of them don't. So we don't test these by what you're able to say to someone. You know, like, I'm important, I got this job. And remember, it's not about us being important, right? Paul taught us that it's the, it's the most modest parts, the smallest parts that get the greatest glory. So that the person that maybe has the speaking gift that's up in front could be tempted to feel more important, but the Scripture doesn't let that person do that because I'm nothing without the modest part of the body that actually gets more glory. That's what God highlights. See, God does things different than the world. And last, the church, you could argue, is fundamentally a ministry of the Word. The way the church is created is by the gospel being heard and believed and the church is created. It's a word-centered ministry. Without the word, you might be able to serve and do nice things in a community, but at the end of the day, the word is the thing that creates the church and sustains the church. Our own Messiah is called the word of God incarnate. But every single part, whether you're in the speaking gift category more, or the serving gift, all of it is a team effort 
towards the Word of God going forth to one another, to the community, and God being glorified through that. And that's important for us to remember. There, every part is important. When you read Acts 6, I had all sorts of scriptures we didn't have time to go through. Acts 6, we need deacons so that the preachers of the word can preach the word. It's not right that they wait on tables the whole time. That's what the text says. So what's important? Is, is the speaker getting the word out or the serving? It's a team effort. It's not going to happen without the whole body of Christ. So the question is this. How do you feel of whether or if you're asked the question, have I fulfilled the ministry God has given to me? How have you understood the church? How have you thought about it? Did you realize that you became a steward the second you became a believer? That you were entrusted with, with spiritual gifts to be used for the building up of the body? You see, oftentimes in counseling, the homework is you got to get in church to help the problem that you're struggling with. But here's the thing. It goes the other way, and we rarely think the other way. We think, i got to get in church because my life's starting to go astray. Well, what about this? If you're a Christian, you're going to give an account to Christ. So yes, you come to church because you need it. But what about coming to church so that you and being involved and having people over to the house and doing social things and seeking one another out. What about doing it because God has given me the responsibility to build up the body and I'll be found faithful or not? So our circumstances have pressed on us in a good way. What we discovered is status quo, by God's grace, there's things to be thankful for. There's areas of weakness. But thank God, in my opinion, we're being pressed on. Thank God we're seeing the crucial need in this community for a beacon of truth and light and love coming from the local church, coming from Sovereign grace. Thank God that we're looking at things like this. Because the most important thing in your life, you might, throw, you might think, hey, you're just saying this because you're a pastor. I think I can defend it theologically. The most important thing in your life, obviously, is Christ. Secondly, is the body of Christ. And then all the other things, even the family is split by Christ, right? Even the Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, your family might be split in half. So my prayer is that I'm sure it's convicting. I'm sure it's a challenge. I don't have all the answers as to how exactly God didn't, God didn't automatically just give, let me divvy out spiritual gifts, but ought we not all lean into what the Scripture says we are? 
Father, I pray that you would use your word that was talked about this morning to, if need be, be like a stone in the shoes of our lives that causes us to not stop and evaluate and look at my life. Father, I pray that this body would be evidence of just such a miraculous thing that it wouldn't just be a program that goes on. It wouldn't just be an organization, but it would be the image of Christ on this earth, His gifting, His body functioning the way you would desire it to. Father, thank you for these circumstances that oppressed us. Father, let it challenge us. Let it bring about faithfulness in us. And Father, we ask that you would work in ways that we can't even imagine through our weak lives in and of ourselves, but that you would be glorified in it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.